Hi, I'm Hermine Hardman with Indigo Studio. And today we're going to tell you about some house museums, Chicago house museums. Some houses, some homes, so important that they become museums after the owners have passed to represent the historic quality of the house or the home. Chicago has house museums that have formerly been country estates, urban row houses, Victorian houses, homes of activists, artists, politicians, and industrialists. Some of the houses have been preserved because of their architectural style. For example, Adlai Stevenson's home is a historic home, the birthplace of Ernest Hemingway. It's a house museum in Oak Park. The Glessner House, it's a museum in the South Loop, and it's a National Historic Landmark, recognized for its beautiful stone and its architecture. The James Adam Hull House Museum is on the campus of the University of Illinois. And on the far south side recently, the Pullman Palace has just been a historic landmark district declared by President Barack Obama. Dr. Margaret Burroughs, she started the DuSable Museum in her south side home on Michigan Avenue and started black museums in the country. And today we're adding new house museums to the roster of the 20 historic houses and museums in and around Chicago. We're going to talk to ladies who are developing house museums in the black community on the South Side to represent black life. Hasn't been easy, didn't come without controversy, and did not come without some pull and some push, but they did it. And now we've got two new house museums in Chicago. <laughs> So our guest today is Angela Ford. She recently purchased the Palmer Mansion on 36 and King Drive. Now, this was the home of Lou and Georgia Palmer from 1976 to 2004. Before the Palmers, it was the private home of Justice Harry Hammer, and he was the builder of the home. It took three years to build it, 1885 to 1888. It's a Queen Anne-style gym. And then Wendy Mohammed. She's recently purchased and renovated the home of the Honorable Elijah Muhammad in the Kenwood community at 49th and Woodlawn. Angela, what are you going to do with this mansion that has sat there for about 20 years and just known for not one historic family, but two historic families? What are you going to do with the Palmer Mansion? I'm so excited. We're going to do some amazing things. We're going to rehab a building that's 133 years old, but make it as futuristic and modern for the younger generations to really appreciate the past and be prepared for the future. Okay, so we're going to have high tech in the mansion. High tech. And what are you going to put in it? What will it house? It will house a lot of the artifacts from the historic Bronzeville community. It's really important to me that the young people see how great the community was, and it is. Mm -hmm. But it's also going to be extremely modern, and a lot of things will be done digitally. Really great Wi-Fi. You know, a building without good Wi-Fi. Is it a building? No, not not now. (laughs) Right. And and we're going to actually have a media room that's like a holodeck and really bring some of the images from the past in full surround to to life. So we're going to see photography? Yes. It's we're Obsidian, which it'll be called Obsidian House. 
And we're preserving and digitizing Black history. So it's going to be a lot of images. Black History America, Black History Chicago. Black History Chicago mainly for the house, but the organization does the national and international. So the Black diaspora. That's great. That's great. And Wendy, I know you've been working on this for a while. There are so many students of the Most Honorable Elijah Muhammad who people say have more star power than he does. So we want to know... What did he teach and what did he do to help bring these stars to light and bring out their star power? So Living Museum. So you're going to, you told me this, and I want you to give full description to this. You told me that you've captured on tape living room conversations that Mr. Muhammad had with people like Muhammad Ali, Sam Cooke, I think the Dr. King one didn't get captured, but nevertheless, it it occurred. Talk about that, because that just sounds incredible. It is incredible. The Most Honorable Elijah Muhammad's grandson actually taped what became known now as the Table Talks. And my friend and brother and business partner, Imam Sultan Muhammad, who is the great-grandson of the Most Honorable Elijah Muhammad, has these beautiful recordings of, of course, not not of the Martin Luther King meeting, but, of course, the Honorable Minister Louis Farrakhan, Malcolm X, Sam Cooke, James Baldwin, Dick Gregory, hmm. Senator Adam Clayton Powell, Thurgood Marshall, and that's the short list. And these were people who came to visit him and to chat with him. Yes. So these are historic. There are almost every subject you can think about they talked about, and you'll be able to hear what they talked about, police brutality, human rights, civil rights, religious rights, anything that was going on, people came there to talk to him about it. There were hundreds of people who visited that home. And so the tapes became history. And these conversations are now historic recordings of history. So we're seeing documentaries now of Ali, and we're seeing the real role and significance that was played with the Nation of Islam and with the the Honorable Elijah Muhammad, and it's a history unto itself. It's a history, and I think it's important for everybody to see how did he make these people? How did he take people and teach them and take them from what you would call derelicts or people in the gutter, criminals, and then make them stars that we still talk about today? So that's why we call it the Living Museum And like Angela, we're doing a lot of technology. And so the exhibits will be able to change. And our exhibit technology is called He Lives. To be positioned for the future, companies are ready to implement energy efficient opportunities to improve workplace comfort. That's why businesses throughout Northern Illinois are partnering with the ComEd Energy Efficiency Program to find up to 35% in energy savings. Because at ComEd, we're not just powering for the now, we're powering your business for what's ahead. Here's to those who refuse to accept they're only human. Blue Cross and Blue Shield of Illinois, proud server of the most advanced machine on Earth.
That's the sound of the ComEd Energy Efficiency Program, saving you up to $500 on your energy bills with rebates and discounts on energy-efficient products so you can enjoy the experience of coming back to a home full of savings. For all the journeys ahead, go with a partner who's been there from the beginning. Blue Cross and Blue Shield of Illinois is committed to advancing and simplifying the healthcare experience for its members and communities well into the future. Enroll at bcbsil.com. So I would be remiss to not talk about two other museums that are opening, and that is the Museum of the Home of Muddy Waters by his granddaughter. And uh, Naomi Davis is opening up the Emmett Teal House, which will be at 64th and uh, St. Lawrence. And that's to recognize where he and his mother lived. Wendy, when do you plan to open? So we're about 85 percent done. So we're looking at fall and we'll be doing fall of 21, fall of 21. So we'll be doing in-person and virtual tours. So because of the pandemic, we've basically revamped our entire model. Had everybody, the world. So people will be able to log on uh, remotely from any part of the world, click a button and walk through the house, look at tours, click wow. and listen to talks, buy from the virtual gift shop. So really just making it real accessible for everyone. And we'll have limited in-person tours. But of course, as you know, we want to keep everybody safe. So, And there won't be any public access. You'll go online. You have to buy your tickets in advance. So you will have you will have a ticket entry. Yes, ma'am. Paid okay. ticket. No walk up access, but okay. paid ticket entry. Now let's talk about landmark. So do you have landmark status? Do you want landmark status? And what does landmark status mean? So for us, um, we're in the Kenwood district. And so the actual district has historical landmark status. But then we also have been nominated and are currently working on becoming part of the National Registry. And for us, it just really gives people around the world an opportunity to really, a lot of people travel to Chicago and they Google National Historic Properties. Mm -hmm. And so we want to be among that piece of tourism where they will come and visit us. I mean, of course, we all believe that these sacred people that we're honoring are all historical and are all worthy of landmark status, but it, it just adds an extra you know, notch in the cap. So the landmark status means that you're on the tourism circuit. We can be on the tourism. Can be. And Angel, what do you want landmark status? So there's so many different types of landmark status. Okay. And we're on the National Registry already just by the nature of the age and location of the house. Okay. And so I, that's a, a point well taken. We don't have to do that part. But in order to perceive some of the Chicago landmark statuses, I was hesitant because they can be cost prohibitive when you're trying to bring a mansion that old back online up to code the way it was in 1888. That could be really expensive and, and, and hurt the building's ability to have utility. I got to service the debt to fix the building, you know, and it can get really expensive. That means you got to borrow money and then you've got to restore it to its natural state. To, to, to a, an 1888 standard. And, you know, in 2022, in 2022, okay. with with tradesmen and skilled craftsmen that don't exist in America anymore. Did you have to do that? too? Yes, we've done that. We were really blessed because our house was pristine for its age. And mm-hmm. so we have hired historical architects 
people who know how to restore historical windows. So we've invested quite a bit in restoring the home to the mid-century condition when the Most Honorable Elijah Muhammad lived there. So your building was how old? Is how old? It's 119 years old. And your building is? It's 133. So we're we're in the same but, era, but your building sat empty for so long. Exactly. And mm-hmm. had a lot of informal uh, things done that weren't part of since 1888. Yeah. Wow. And, and so putting those things back would mean tearing a lot of things out. So it's, it's a lot of things you have to consider. Mm-hmm. It's certainly an honor and it's important to have historic landmark status, but it's great that your home was maintained. Mm-hmm. It was uh, not altered. Right. Not altered. Not Yours had significant altered. alteration <laughs> from the birds and the squirrels. Right. <laughs> but then you get into this, the, the mill work of the gutter, I mean, mm-hmm. the gutters and the mill work and all of those kinds of things. The technology sometimes has to be replicated overseas and then shipped back and installed here. Where does funding come from? These are expensive projects. These are not, I'm going to build a home out of Home Depot and go home and I'm done. These are historical restorations that you have to do with very particular guidelines. Right. Where does funding come from? What's Um, the funding? In my case, I feel like it's important for us to monetize and control our culture Mm -hmm. and not have the dictation of outside investors who want to control programming. So I self-funded the project. You did this all on your own? Yes. So this is a, this is, this is your property, your building, your funding. Yes. Wow. Wow. Angela? I did not (laughs) self-fund. You did not (laughs) self-fund. But I I take your point. I completely agree that it's important that we control the narrative. Mm -hmm. We had conversations with people that often make donations, but then name the buildings after themselves. And a lot of things have to be compromised. And we're we're committed to preserving the culture. So we took on debt, which is why our our building has a business model of uh, private membership. Mm -hmm. And then we are receiving non-funding I mean, nonprofit funding from uh, grantors that aren't requiring that heavy input and that heavy dictation. Foundations. Yes, some foundations Mm -hmm. and some private uh, donations. But controlling the narrative was the entire purpose. We'll be right back on that note. To be positioned for the future, companies are ready to implement energy-efficient opportunities to improve workplace comfort. That's why businesses throughout Northern Illinois are partnering with the ComEd Energy Efficiency Program to find up to 35% in energy savings. Because at ComEd, we're not just powering for the now, we're powering your business for what's ahead. Technology is meant to make our lives better, especially when it makes them easier, happier, and healthier. Blue Cross and Blue Shield of Illinois is committed to advancing and simplifying the healthcare experience for its members and communities. Enroll at bcbsil.com. That's the sound of the ComEd Energy Efficiency Program, saving you up to $500 on your energy bills with rebates and discounts on energy-efficient products so you can enjoy the experience of coming back to a home full of savings. 
From preventive cancer screenings and diabetes care to hypertension and behavioral health management, Blue Cross and Blue Shield of Illinois is committed to advancing and simplifying the healthcare experience for its members and communities. Enroll at bcbsil.com. Angela, Lou Palmer and Georgia were both writers. I, I knew both of them. And in Lou's later years, we tried to talk him into where's your writings, where your tapes, because he was also on radio Mm -hmm. for many years. Do you have the tapes? Do you have the writings? And will they be inclusive in the museum? We don't have his artifacts at this juncture. We were looking for the public artifacts, and we're reaching out to the family to see what they want to share and what involvement. But they, they do They do have some of that? Well, we understand that they do. Okay. So, yeah, you don't, you don't have your hands on it No, yet. we do not. Okay. And I think we have to recognize with Mr. Muhammad, he had a sense of history. He had a sense of historicness. He knew who Muhammad Ali was before Muhammad Ali knew who he was. Yes. So... You have a different something because you do have recordings, yes, writings and so forth. Recordings, writings, photos, and we, we are preserving every single thing. Um, there's a very famous story of when he and Minister Louis Farrakhan were walking up the driveway of that house. The Most Honorable Elijah Muhammad said to him, he pointed to a tree. He said, one day when they find out who I am, they're going to rip the bark off the trees. So I took that and I said, well, we're going to rip the bark off the trees. We ain't throwing away nothing. So extra limestone, we're making things that we can sell. We we have windows that we restored that we're going to put a plaque on that we can auction off. We took down the copper gutters and melted them and made commemorative coins. And so we are preserving everything. Old mantles, we've made tables out of them just to recycle and continue that history because It's so important to us, and it's sacred space. It is. And so when I visit your museum, what is it that you want me to take away? You're going to see a lot of the historic Bronzeville artifacts, the stories, the mood, the atmosphere. and, And it's not just for Lou Palmer. That entire block had so many stellar... Journalists. Ida B. Wells. Ida B. Wells. Uh, Etta Moten Barnett and her husband, Claude Barnett. They all lived on that same block. And on the other end was the Supreme Life Building, which was John Johnson's Mm -hmm. uh, building. Earl Dickerson. Yes. Mm -hmm. We're going to make sure that people who come to that corner property understand how vibrant and important the community was and and can be with all, more entrepreneurship, just encouraging that. So do you go back to how far in history do you go back? Do you go to the migration? Yes. Now, I'm excited that we actually just acquired the oldest policy machine existing, and that was from 1885. So that was a game policy that was very... Vibrant it in was black communities. Vibrant. That it, is the, the the precursor to lottery. It was the economic engine. It was when Illinois lottery was in our community, mm. and the policy came not as the Illinois lottery though. No, okay. no, it was, and and that is one of my passion stories. Mm-hmm. But and having that original, one of the oldest machines, 
is is a beginning of telling our story because the policy kings made the business loans. And this is where, so the machine that you have is where they rolled what they called out the drawings, yes. which was the numbers, yes. which was the lottery ticket yes. of, of the day right? and how you knew whether you won or not. So those millions of dollars that you see on TV now, these, they were in our community, That's which the, is why the community was wealthier than Harlem. The, the original lottery ticket. The original lottery yeah. tickets. And we have two original lottery tickets. You too. got two. Oh, mm-hmm. my gosh. Oh, my gosh. Yes. When I visit your museum, the Honorable Elijah Muhammad House, what do you want me to leave with? You will experience the Most Honorable Elijah Muhammad in a way that the media doesn't allow you to experience him. You're going to feel that he lives through his works, his teachings, and to the, through the people who he resurrected and, and raised, we call it, from the dead. Mm. Because there's a life-giving teaching that he gave us. And so everybody will be able to take away from learning and just hearing some of the principles and conversations from dietary suggestions. We have our kitchen. Mm. We're calling it the How to Eat to Live Kitchen. His kitchen, designed by his wife, was, was COVID-friendly back then. And so we're going to talk about that, infectious disease prevention. We'll have that conversation. There's other life-giving teachings like hospitality that his wife so graciously literally taught. And so we're Mm. going to show you that. So what we want to show you is a lifestyle Mm -hmm. that everyone was attracted to that can benefit all of us to this day. Wendy, you sense that we're having a cultural renaissance. Talk about that for me. I believe, not so much that I sense, but I believe that through what we're doing with all of these house museums and recognizing our history, that we are on the cusp of a cultural renaissance here in Chicago. And my goal, my thought is that we can make Chicago known for its rich culture and its rich history, as opposed to being known for the vortex of violence. Mm -hmm. We can change that narrative Mm -hmm. by really creating a black space where people who want to travel to Chicago and learn about its rich black history. Mm -hmm. And the museums that are opening are on concentrated on the south side of Chicago. Right. Except for the Fred Hampton house. Oh, there's a Fred. And that's on the west side of Chicago. And that's in the house where he was where he was assassinated. Yes, ma'am. Okay, we are seeing there are 20 house museums in Chicago. So with the addition of what you are doing, so we're seeing, we are seeing a renaissance. We We really, really are seeing a renaissance. Wendy, your neighborhood is a residential neighborhood primarily, but the mansions, there are a lot of very historic mansions. Talk about that for me for a minute. You know what's interesting, Hermine, is that when you travel in these neighborhoods, there are so many historic homes They are so significant. A lot of them already have historical or landmark status, but they've been able to do that quietly. Mm -hmm. And, you know, for us as black people, when we get ready to say, hey, we're going to put up culture and we're going to own and monetize our culture, it becomes very loud. It becomes an issue. But, you know, for us, yeah, we're we're right there in good company. What's Um, what's some of the company? Wow. There's the Rand Home. You got, of course, the Roby House, which is right down Roby the street, House, which is right, right on Woodlawn, about a mile away from us. And that's a Frank Lloyd Wright. That's a Frank Lloyd. There's a couple home. of Frank Lloyd Wright houses there. Mm-hmm. We had a There's Monsignor's home there. Monsignor's home. There's We've had Jesuit some monks priests. live there. The Jesuits have lived there. There's Muhammad Ali's home. Muhammad Ali, I believe Helene Curtis. 
Oh, I so, didn't know that. Mm-hmm. So there's some significant homes in that neighborhood. You've got President Barack Obama. President home. Barack Obama. We've got the Goodman. Do you know about the Goodman home? James and Montgomery. Mm-hmm. But when he he bought it, but it was original, it's original state. It was the Goodman, mm-hmm. the people who are the founders of the Goodman Theater. Mm-hmm. There's also the Goodyear Mansion, which is right on Greenwood. Wow. Mm-hmm. Uh, so the, the neighborhood mm-hmm. has got a lot of history, but all of those homes are historic, but they're not what you were doing. They're not landmark. They're not slated. They're not even identified. So, the, yeah, the neighborhood is landmark, but they're not identified as mm-hmm. such. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Interesting. One of the things, there was an article not long ago in the New York Times by Brent Staples, and he talked about how white media suppressed black news through ignoring it and misrepresenting it. Yes, and so as we, a hundred years now, as we look back on a lot of things 50, 100 years ago, there's a whole new information. There's a whole new interpretation. There's a whole new, and I'm thinking of Tulsa, for example. Mm -hmm. When you talk to the Tulsa victims, Mm -hmm. it is a very, very different story Mm -hmm. than to talk to, look at the Tulsa newspaper. And what I did on my own accord, Angel, I thought about you when I did this, is I went to the white Tulsa newspaper Mm -hmm. and I found the black Tulsa newspaper. They were totally mm. different stories. Right. And I think that's what you're saying with yes. the Honorable Elijah Muhammad. We've heard this. We've heard that. We've heard. But we're going to hear his own words. Mm-hmm. We're yes. going to hear his messages. Yes. And we're going to see his the represent the true representation yes. of his work. And Angel, with you, the same thing. You've got to get some of Lou's original writings. Right. Now, a lot of times Lou didn't write. Lou talked. Right. But. His legacy lives on. And I just want to say thank you on behalf of not the black community in Chicago, but the Chicago community, because we're not going to come whole until we recognize everybody and everything that has contributed to the greatness of this city, making it the most beautiful in the world. Thank Thank you, ladies, and good luck to you. I can't wait for you you to open. I got to be there for both of you for opening day. Thank you. Thank you, Wendy Mohammed. And thank you, Angela Ford. And thank you for the historic work that you're doing that will become legendary. Thank you.